Well, we come to our last verses in the book of Galatians, and um, I hope that you have enjoyed the study as much as, as I have and our staff has. It's really uh, been a transformative experience in our lives to, to really grasp how the gospel is for believers uh, as much as it is for unbelievers. Many times we think the gospel is something that we say and teach to unbelievers so that they can get saved and then we kind of move on to the deeper things. And that's not how it works, really. Uh, what we see is the gospel is for <clears throat> transforming unbelievers into believers and believers daily. So uh, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 6, 11 through 18. And so let's read through that together with a pause on verse 11. So in verse 11, Paul says to the Galatians that something has happened in the middle of the letter. He says, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Now, many people say, well, that's interesting, isn't it? Right in the middle of the letter, he, he stops and says, look at what large letters I'm writing. Some people think it might have to do with his eyesight and that maybe that was what his thorn in his flesh was and possibly so. I tend to agree with those who think that Paul... At this point, had been previously dictating the letter to someone who was writing it down for him. And then it comes to the time of the conclusion of the letter and he gets up and says, give me the pen. And he writes it with his own letters and he's writing in bold to make an emphasis, signing it with his own hand to kind of give authority to the letter. And so he's saying, look, this is from me, Paul. I'm writing this and I don't want you to miss the point of the last part of this book. And what do we know happens in the last part of a letter? You always kind of put the, the most important emphasis or a summary of what you've been saying. So let's continue reading in Galatians 6, uh, 12 through 18. As it comes on the screen, I will read it. There you go. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so that they will not be persecuted for the cross. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. <clears throat> the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. And so what we see in this final paragraph of the letter, Paul basically summarizes the entire letter. The outline of the letter serves as the outline of this paragraph. So let's think about what Paul has done in the letter thus far. We've talked about it several times that there's six chapters in the book. The first two chapters, Paul argues for the authenticity of this gospel message that he presents. He's been saying, look, I am telling you the true gospel because I got this message directly from the resurrected Jesus Christ. 
He says, I didn't collude with the other apostles, though after I got my gospel message, I did meet with them and have discovered that we all have the same gospel message, that there is an agreement that adds validity and authenticity to our gospel message. So believe me, I have the one true gospel message. That was chapter 1 and 2, authenticity of his gospel. Chapters 3 and 4, Paul was basically theologically explaining the gospel message. So here is the gospel, faith alone in Christ alone, by grace alone. And that's what he does in chapters 3 and 4, theology. But then he gets in chapters 5 and 6, and it's ethics. It's the lifestyle that flows out of getting the gospel right. And so he says, if you believe this, then this is what you will see in your life. And so that's the outline of our passage today. He's going to argue, argue for the authenticity of his gospel, number one. He's going to explain his gospel, number two. And then finally, number three, he's going to give the implications of his gospel for our lives. So let's look first of all in verses 12 through 14, the authenticity of Paul's gospel. He says, those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. But may it never be. Translated also, God forbid that I would ever boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So what Paul is doing here, he is saying, listen, in a world of skepticism, you know how my gospel is the true gospel? He says, look at my life. Look at my motives. What do you see when you compare Paul to these false teachers? And then he explains, think about what the false teachers are doing. They're telling you a gospel message of self righteousness, that they say, yeah, it's Jesus, that's fine, or, or, or it's not Jesus. Either way, whatever formula, they've added self into the formula. To be right with God, you have to do something yourself to be right with God. Earn it through religion or circumcision or whatever fill-in-the-blank may be. And when you add self-righteousness to the formula, what has to happen? It has to be, the following has to be self-preservation and self promotion. So if the gospel includes a self-righteous element, there must be self-preservation and self-promotion. And that's exactly what you see in their life. They're only telling you, Paul says, to be circumcised. Or to you, he's saying, they're only telling you, you have to be religious to save themselves from being persecuted. They're self-preservation. preserving themselves. They're also promoting themselves. They want to boast about how many people they have brought into conversion. These Jews, Judaizers who were trying to convert people to their way were just proud of saying, look how many converts we have. Look, we we want you to see how good we are at our religion, how good we are at building a kingdom to our own name's sake. And that's what happens. That's what flows from a gospel that has self-righteousness mingled into it. 
That's what we see, unfortunately, and sadly, in too many churches. Too many churches in a world of self-promotion, self-preservation, self-boasting have gotten caught up into thinking that church is all about building a monument to us and how good we are. Look how successful we are at our religion. Look how many converts we have brought in, counting nickels and noses. And we are really good at this, aren't we? And this idea of self-righteousness seethes into their mindset of what they're doing. It's all about getting bigger for the sake of promoting their own name. Paul says that's complete antithesis to the gospel. Paul says, you know why my gospel is true in a world of skepticism? It's because I am laying my life down for you. He says, I'm not living, I'm not using you to benefit myself. I'm not using you to convert you to to see how good I'm doing. I'm not using you to spare suffering for myself. He says, I'm using myself to bless you. And that's the transformation that takes place when the gospel seeds into a heart. When, When your heart is saturated with the gospel of grace saturated with the cross, which we'll see in a minute what that means, when that takes root in your life, in your mind, in your heart, when you really get that as a believer, when you really understand the gospel, it validates your message. You have one thing to boast in, and that's the cross of Christ. Our message is not going into a world to tell them, look how good we are. Look how good I've cleaned myself up. Look how religious I've gotten. You see, that's why we don't want to share the gospel. That's one of the main reasons that you and I resist going and sharing with lost people the gospel. Because we've we've got too much self-righteousness in our hearts. Because we feel like what we're doing is telling them how good we are and how bad they are. We feel like we're telling them, if you just get your life cleaned up, you can be like me. And that's not the gospel that we share. That's not the gospel that is the foundation of this church. You see, we live in a world of skepticism. And I got to see that very clearly this week on vacation. I was very blessed to be able to go to New York City with my family for a week. But as we were there, man, just masses of humanity. And they're not looking for Jesus. And they're not looking for a church They're not waking up this morning going, where will I go to church today? In fact, one sign is comical, but it just shows you how brazen it is. I mean, there's one guy sitting there begging for money and his sign said, can you spare some change for pot, pizza and beer? I mean, he's not even hiding it. And he was getting the most money because people at least appreciated his honesty. I mean, that's what we're dealing with. We want to tell them about Jesus. We go to New Orleans and we go knocking on doors and we say, hey, how's it going? I want to tell you about the church. And you can just see in their eyes, they're like, do what? A church? Did you think I was looking for a church? They're not looking for church. They're not driving down the road going, hey, let's check that new church out on the corner. I mean, there's low-hanging fruit that we want to get, and that's what the church on the corner gets. The people who are looking, and they, they get to know you, and you say, hey, come with me to this church. That's awesome, and we need to do that. That's important. But what about the, the skeptics? 
What about the people out there who are like, who are you and what are you talking about Jesus to me for? I really don't care. What's going to make a difference? How do you reach those people? Because that's what we're called to do. The difference is the transforming impact of the gospel on your life. The difference is that you have been changed to the point that you genuinely, authentically love them. You see, that hit me like a ton of bricks this week as I walked through New York. And what was just pounding my mind as I just pounded by the masses of humanity. You see, we're trying to reach those people. In fact, Southern Baptist churches have the strategy of saying, okay, the Bible Belt has a lot of resources and a lot of believers. How can we get you to go to New York with the gospel? How can we get you to go down to New Orleans like the team of eight that we sit down? How can we get you to uproot your family, go down there, work there, because you have a job that allows you to do that? How can we get you to go and take the gospel for the first time in our country's history? More people live in urban concepts, in urban cities, than they do in the suburbs. Everyone is moving to big cities. And the gospel is not there. It's in the suburbs where all the resources are. Why have we planted here? I believe God has called us to plant another church in the Bible Belt to redeem you and your resources to take the gospel to New Orleans and to New York City and cities like that. Now, when you go out there, you will find they aren't looking for you. And the difference is going to be that the gospel has so saturated your heart and transforms you that you genuinely, authentically look at them the way Jesus looks at you. A strange mixture made beautifully in the image of God, but terribly fallen, but can be made righteous by faith in Christ. Do you truly have love for unbelievers? That's the question that God's been pounding on my heart. Do I really love genuinely? Has the gospel affected my heart enough that I really do love unbelievers? That's the question that we need to sit with this morning. If you haven't heard the book of Galatians, or if you've heard the book of Galatians, the point is it transforms your life So that you will love and be the missional people of God. It's not about religion. It's not about how good we can be for God. It's not about making ourselves look good in God's eyes. It's not about converts and making a monument to ourselves. It's about being transformed by the gospel love of Jesus Christ. So that we then love the people in the soccer field. We then love the people at school. We love our coworkers. We're the most loving family in the neighborhood. We're the most loving people they know. If someone looked at your life and they said, do you think they're a believer or not? Would they say, absolutely. I may not believe what they believe, but they are definitely one of those loving kind of Christian people. And see, it doesn't happen with a banner out there on the street. This is not some kind of 
flag it in your face. I'm just going to say, hey, I love you. You see, we kind of think love is like some romantic, nauseating novel or something. That's not what love is. Gospel love is more like an action hero who comes in through bullets flying, scars and wounds, and taking on fire for himself to take care of the one he loves. Gospel love takes pain and suffering and denies self to go and save others. That's the gospel. That's what Christ did for us. He died to bless us. And so when I say, are we the most loving people? It's not just this fuzzy, warm feeling. It's, are we the heroes going to talk about the hero? Are we the ones going through fire doing whatever it takes to build relational currency, to invest in unbelievers, to get to know them, to bear with them, those who are on the fringes, those who are not easy to love. Are you pouring your life out? Am I pouring my life out to get to know them, to build relational currency with them, that I can then say, follow me as I follow Jesus? And that's what validates the gospel in a culture that is getting more and more skeptic. It's not going to be our religious piety. It's going to be love that Christ pours into our heart. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, don't look at me. Look at Jesus and the effect that Jesus has had on me. I bear the scars and the brandings of suffering for Jesus, he says in verse 17. So self-righteousness breeds self-preservation and self-promotion. But the gospel of the cross breeds self-denial and self-giving love. That brings us to our second point. Well, what is the gospel? Again, the explanation of his gospel is in verse 15. Verse 15, the explanation of his gospel. Very simply put, he summarizes it. For neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision anything, but a new creation is everything. The point he says is, look, if you think it's Jesus plus religion, it's not that. If you think it's Jesus and no religion, it's not that. It's Jesus. Quit thinking about you and what you do or what you don't do. The gospel is all about the cross of Jesus, he's saying. And that's why when I boast, if I'm going to boast in something, God forbid it be that I boast about me. And we would say, Paul, you can boast. I mean, if anybody can boast, you the man. I mean, go ahead. No one's going to be offended. Paul says, no, you don't understand. I have nothing to boast. The only thing I have to boast in is the cross. Now, what does he mean, boast in the cross? Why do we sing songs about the cross? Isn't that kind of weird? We sing songs about an execution, about blood. Why is that such a big deal? We read what Paul says in other passages like 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through 21. And he explains why the cross is everything. He says God was in the cross. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them. He made him, Christ, who knew no sin to become sin, 
that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's why we boast in the cross. What happened at the cross? The Christmas message happened at the cross. The Christ, God-man, God took on flesh and became the perfect, righteous God-man. He lived the perfect life that none of us could ever live. And then he died on the cross. And when he took on the cross, he took on sin. He who knew no sin became sin. That we, the sinners, might become righteous. It's the great exchange. He took on our sin. We took on his righteousness. What did we do? Nothing. What did he do? Everything. That's the gospel of the cross. And that message, the message of the cross, is the power of God unto salvation. That's what changes people's lives. You boasting about yourself doesn't change anything. It doesn't change a life. It doesn't touch a heart. If anything, it repels them from the gospel. So don't go thinking when when I say go out there and be the missional people of God. I'm not saying go brag on yourself. Go talk about how good we are. Talk about Jesus. Invest in them. Pour your life into them. Love them unconditionally. Even though they don't deserve it. Even if they don't earn it. You didn't either. And that's what Christ did for you. I didn't. In fact, I did everything to, to repel him. And he died for me and saved me. And when I get that, I realize it's not about religion. It's not about circumcision. It's not about uncircumcision. It's about being made a new creature in Christ. And that new creature piece is the idea that when you trust Christ, the Spirit of God transforms you into that loving person that we see Paul claiming to be. Into that person as you get, to the, as you get the gospel, you become that loving person. So every day you get up, you don't say, I gotta be more loving. I've gotta love that hard to love person. Instead, start with Christ love me. Christ died for me when I didn't deserve it. Christ gave his life for me. Christ accepts me unconditionally. Christ receives me though I don't deserve it. Christ forgives me though I didn't earn it. And the more I treasure that, the more I get that, the more I am transformed into being that kind of person to other people. Then I go and I brag on Christ. Then I boast on Christ. Not because I should, because that's just what you do. You brag, you boast on those things that you treasure the most. Do you treasure the gospel supremely in your heart? To the extent that we treasure this gospel message of Christ is the extent to which we will love people, love unbelievers, and share the gospel. So if you don't see yourself living missionally, ask yourself, do I treasure the gospel? And so that's where Paul goes next. Missional people of God. The implications of his gospel. So we see the authenticity of the gospel the transformed love life of, Christ, of, of Paul, the explanation of the gospel, it is Christ alone and his love for us. And finally, the implications of his gospel. Listen to 16 through 18. And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God.
From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. In verse 16, Paul mentions peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. And that's an interesting phrase, the Israel of God. I've described Israel all throughout Galatians as the missional people of God. To understand that, let's, let's review a little bit. Our Old Testament Israel compared to New Testament church. And how do they relate? Old Testament Israel, I've described to them as the missional people of God. We see in the Bible from cover to cover, God is on mission. He is the hero to make his fame known on all the earth. So that's been God's mission from day one. But he doesn't just do that apart from people. He does it through people and through a covenant people initially, potentially. He offered to do that through the covenant people, Israel, ethnic Israel, those who were descendants of Abraham, those who were ethnically Jews. He said, look, you as believers, those who believe in the God of Abraham, I will give you my covenant through Moses, and here's all the laws and rules. And and as you obey that, as believers obey these laws, you will display my glory. You will take my fame to the ends of the earth. There's a problem. Their hearts were bad, and they rejected the Messiah. They rejected Jesus when he came. And so God says, I'm going to go into a new covenant. This new covenant... The missional people of my God, of my, my missional people will not be based on ethnicity. It won't be because your mom and dad were of a certain people. It will be based on your faith in Jesus. And if you have trusted in Christ, I'm talking to you. If you have trusted in Christ, you are part of the missional people of God. That is why you have been saved. That is why you have been created. That's why you are here. That's why you exist. That is the meaning of life. To make the fame of God to the ends of the earth. And he says, that's why you trusted in Christ. Now, I expect you to live as the missional people of God. What does that mean when the world is growing more skeptical and they don't want to hear it? You better get the gospel right because that's the only hope is that when we get the gospel right, it transforms us into loving people who don't deserve to be loved, just like us. To be the missional people of God is what this church is all about. The gospel defines our existence. And the only way that you will go and share the gospel with the people who aren't looking for a church is if you as a believer grasp this gospel and are saturated to the core with this gospel. That's what Galatians has begun and only begun to do in our church family. Story after story, personal experience of it, realizing the power of the gospel for me as a believer. Do you believe that you don't deserve an ounce of grace? Or do you think I'm better than that guy and I did do something to deserve it? If you're thinking that, You're not sharing the gospel, probably. 
the more that you grasp the fact that your righteousness was unearned, unmerited, unconditional, the more you will go and love unconditionally and share that gospel message. And you're not going to be happy until you're doing it. You're not going to be happy until you're doing what you were created to do. Free, finally, to do what you were designed to do. Do you believe that? Seriously, do you believe that? I want a response. Do you believe that? I battle it every day. If we're honest, that's the battle. Do I believe I was created to be on mission for God? And that's the happiest place to be. Because every day, something tells me there's a better plan. Something else is going to make me happier. Something else is going to make me more satisfied. And I just can't believe it's that, it's that hard in my own heart. So where do we go? We go back to the gospel. We read the word of God. We go to a community group that's gospel-saturated. We go to church that's gospel-saturated. We sing songs that are gospel-saturated because we still have that remnant of the flesh that says, no, I want to use you to make me happy. Really? Life is found in giving myself away. And it is. I've experienced it. You've experienced it when we do it. But it's not easy. Every day is a battle to believe the gospel is give yourself away for others. As I walked around New, New, uh, New York and saw all those people and wondered how in the world are we going to reach those people. As we went door to door in New Orleans and knocked on doors and thought how in the world are we going to reach these people. Lord really this is, this is our calling how are we going to do it? They don't want to hear the gospel. What I believe God said to me, crystal clear, was one word. Love. This kind of love. Self-denying, self-sacrificing, giving yourself away, to love them. Who are you doing that with? Who am I doing that with? Not just the low-hanging fruit. Not just, hey, we got a good thing going down there. I hope you'll come. That's great. Keep doing that. That is good. I'm serious. That's very important. We need to do that. But what about the ones who are like, Really? Are you willing to to give of yourself enough to pour into them long enough to earn their trust? To get an audience? To let them know who you are and what you stand for and to watch you pour your life out into them and then say, follow me as I follow Christ.
The blessing of the gospel was not meant for us to just sit here and hold it to ourselves. We have a cure for the greatest disease of humanity. We can't hold on to it for ourselves. I think that's the takeaway from Galatians. The missional people of God is who we are. As I look for the next season of our church life, the next seven years, if you will, that's got to be what it's about. That's got to be what it's about. It's got to be unleashing, authorizing you to go out there and invest your life into other people who don't know Christ. And then viewing what we're doing in here. Any buildings that we build are only meant to provide a place to equip you to do that. Going out, investing, and going, uh, wait a minute, Tracy. What do I say? Uh, what do I believe about this? Okay, well then take this class and we'll help you understand the tenets of the faith. Okay. Man, I was pouring into him and I just want to walk away. What do I do next? Okay, we want to equip you with that. Talk to your community group. Y'all pray. Y'all be there. That's what this is. This isn't the end goal here. This is the equipping center. This is the place where you get fed and trained and equipped and then sent out with a firm kick in the rear if you're not doing it. Right? That's what this is. And I promise you, or I can't promise you, but I'm really, really, really confident that if... You're doing that. We're going to have to build a lot more buildings. Not because we're all proud of nickels and noses and making a name to ourselves, because I believe God honors the gospel. And then we're going to be really kicking you out. Who's moving to New York? Who's got the kind of job that you can move to New Orleans, move to New York, or wherever, because we need to get this gospel to those people who don't have a clue, and there ain't no churches there. Do you see the vision for the next seven years? That's what this is about. That's what we're doing. I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. We as a staff are going, how do we make this happen? So please join me in that heart. Pray for that. Desire that. No, that's what we're about. If you're not about that and you don't want to be about that, we love you, but there's plenty of other churches you can go to. But I think you're here because that's what you're about. I think you chose this church because you want that, but you just need us to articulate it and we're learning to articulate it. And I'm saying, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's start right now. That's what this Christmas is about. Incarnation. God took on flesh. To die to save others. May we do the same. Let's pray.